It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Doug with a quick note before we get started. We recorded this podcast earlier this week before the news of Quinn Ewers potentially joining the Ohio State Buckeyes this year. This is a discussion about the greatest quarterbacks in Ohio State history and what Quinn Ewers would have to do to join them. It doesn't affect it that much. I can't remember what we said, but it might just move up the timeline or whatever. So, you know, there's a good historical discussion at the front. We get to Quinn at the back. So just so you know that, because it's going to be like, what? Why didn't they say? Well, because we recorded it early. And, you know, we maybe didn't think that this was going to happen and do this. So just know that. I think it's fun. It's something new that we're trying. And uh, we'll try these. uh, Well, I'm going to tell you that later. I'm just telling you the Quinn part now. Because, again, like, we didn't know, and now we know. So we did the emergency pod. You know, right? Yeah, he might come now, a year early. So, yeah, have that in your head. Cue the music. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to a Friday Buckeye Talk. It's Douglas Maurice with Nathan Baird and Stephen Means and something new. We are doing, uh, we got to come up with a name first. Listen, this is in the vein of Buckeye Retalkables. This is in the vein of Buckeye fly effect. It's kind of a special little thing we're going to do for the next several Fridays. And it is position by position. I could do every position, but who are the four guys in Ohio state history who belong on the Mount Rushmore of that position? Now this is cliched as all get out. And I normally hate this kind of stuff, but I like it because we have the textures involved. So on this, we have sent this out. I've been doing this with the tech subscribers. If you want to be part of that. And again, stuff's happening soon. 614-350-3315. I've been doing this for the last couple of weeks. We've worked through several position groups where I sent out a rank of, for the we're doing the quarterbacks today. I sent out 14 quarterbacks from Ohio State history and said, rank them in order. And the top four in your ranking are who you think should be on the Ohio State Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks. So on this podcast, we're going to talk about what the texters said. Nathan will have his four. Steven will have his four. I will have my four. We will discuss that. And then the second half is who among current or coming Buckeyes could get on that mountain. So we will have a Quinn Ewers discussion. Like what would Quinn Ewers have to do to be viewed as one of the four best quarterbacks in Ohio state history? 
And then later on, like the following Fridays, we'll do running backs. We'll do receivers. We'll be, do some defensive guys, edge rusher, linebacker, corner. And then we'll wind it up with head coach and figuring out about Ryan Day and getting those four head coaches on a mountain. So, Nathan, number one off the bat. Again, I like replacing. It's kind of like Smurf. It's like Mount Smurfmore. I like replacing any word with the syllable buck. So should we call this Mount Buckmore or is it just Ohio State Mount Rushmore? What are we what are we calling this? Well, I mean, we've really leaned into the buck on all these other things we've done, as you said. And I think Mount Buckmore is also kind of like ambiguously dirty if if you want it to be, which some of the other things we have done like unintentionally are kind of. So I, I think Mount Buckmore is the way to go. Ambiguously dirty. Buckeye talk. Steven, are you in favor of Mount Buckmore? Yeah, I am. I'm in fa- I'm in favor of ambiguously dirty. I mean, sure. But yes, I, I do like that. We've leaned into the buck with everything, Buckeye Fly, uh, Buckeye retalk- Retalkables, everything else. So yeah, this just kind of stays on theme with what Fridays have turned into, especially in the offseason for us. So I think this will be good that we're doing this because um, we're going to be doing all kinds of stuff about who we're talking to, right, during camp and whatever. But like, I don't just want to every day talk about what happened, what happened to practice, who did you talk to? So this will be a nice Friday thing. And if news breaks, whatever, we'll move it around. But we're going to plan to do this once a week until we get to the season. All right, Mount Buckmore it is. So the Mount Buckmore of quarterbacks. Let me start off with the 14 choices that I gave the tech subscribers. And this was just me sort of winnowing the field because I, I don't want to make people rank 20 guys. And so I have them. The, the order I'm going to read people in is an order of career passing yards at Ohio State. And this is who I sent to the tech subscribers to rank. Number one, JT Barrett. Number two, Art Schleister. Number three, Bobby Hoying. Number four, Joe Germain. Number five, Greg Fry, I did not send. Number six, Terrell Pryor. Who, again, if you give him all his records, he's number six. Number six, Terrell Pryor. Number seven, Troy Smith. Number eight, Mike, Mike Tomzak. Number nine, Steve Belisario, I did not send. Number 10, Dwayne Haskins. Number 11, Justin Fields. Number 12, Braxton Miller. Number 13, Jim Carsados, I did not send. Number 14, Craig Krenzel. Then the next guy I sent was number 18, Rex Kern. Number 20, Cornelius Green. And number 21, Cardale Jones. So no Kirk Herbstreet, no Stanley Jackson, no Todd Beckman. I just, I couldn't send everybody, but I was kind of happy at least. So 14 of the top 21 were the choices that we gave the tech subscribers. Um, Nathan, I mean, you went through and decided who your Mount Rushmore was. I mean, again, we're, you know, we don't need to go back into the history. And I'll tell you this. I've already done the vote for the running back. The running back got really complicated because the game has changed so much. You're trying to evaluate like a guy from the 40s, a Heisman winner from the 40s, or Chick Harley, like the founding player of Ohio State football, like versus Ezekiel Elliott. And it's just like it's it just doesn't make sense. And so I think what we're going to wind up doing with the running backs, for instance, is we're going to have like an old time running back Mount Buckmore and a modern day running back Mount Buckmore because it's just too insane otherwise. And it still creates an interesting modern day discussion 
because we're not really here, no offense, to talk about guys from the 40s. It's just like not what we're about. So, you know, that's kind of how we did it. It's a pretty good list. Nathan, we've talked about, again, like JT Barrett is Ohio State's all-time leading passer. Like in the history of the NCAA, like he's barely in the top 100, I think, if if at all. Because Ohio State, just in terms of passing yards, has kind of been behind the times. I mean, again, you think about it. Guys throw for 4,000 yards now. He threw for 9,400 in his career. You know, you have three good years. Like you're going to blow that away in the modern day, which might lead us to Quinn Ewers. But I don't know. Is there anybody? I, I covered everybody, right? Didn't I? There's not anybody I left out that should have been in the in the ranking. Is there? As far as I know, you would you, you know better than me. Our textures would probably know better than me just because I haven't studied it. But I, I think some of what you're talking about with the running backs will still be relevant to this conversation, too. Uh, it obviously doesn't necessarily go back to the infancy of Ohio State football. But as we've pointed out on the retalkables, when we watch a game from the 60s or even from the 70s, it does not look anything like the football being played right now. But yet those quarterbacks and those players from those teams were uh, sometimes critical to the best teams in Ohio State history. So how do you judge that against guys who now, if you were to take them and 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 back and future them, uh, flex capacitor them back into a game from the 60s or 70s and let them play, people's minds would just explode. So that's our group that we're considering for the top four spots. Steven, and again, as we're laying this out for the first time on the first Mount Buckmore, what went into it for you? How And, and we briefly talked about this off the podcast because, again, we don't love to have semantic debates on the podcast. How would you describe how, how you evaluated which quarterback should be on this mountain? A lot of different things. Obviously, did you are you an important piece of a championship team? You know, what did you win awards? Do you have statistics that are unreplicable, like no one else has ever replicated? But all, most importantly, you know, if we took you out of Ohio State's football history, if you never came here, how dramatic do things look? within that time period. That's like allowed me to shape my guys with these four quarterbacks, four running backs, four wide receivers to go through this. These are the guys who kind of shaped Ohio State's history as the guys, as I mean, sports writers were supposed to document this stuff. These guys, ha- you cannot replace, they're irreplaceable almost because of what they did at this this school. I think, I think it's a very smart way to think about things. It's like remove them. If you remove them, how big of a, of a hole would there be? I think that's a good way to think about it because, Nathan, when we talked about it off the podcast, it's not best. That's that's not what Mount Rushmore is. It's some combination of best and memorable and impactful and stats matter and highlights matter and championships matter and the way a guy made you feel and the way that a guy is just is is talked about, like all that matters. Right. And I think it varies how much you put on each thing, but it's a big combination of a bunch of stuff. I think it's presence um, is part of it. Um, it there, there's X factor to it, right? There's sometimes there's just a thing you can't like put your finger on it, but you know, it when you see it and that, that I think factors into any of these kinds of decisions, especially when you're trying to whittle it down to four, especially when you're uh, judging across eras, like we're going to be doing, like I said before, like just the, the transformation of the game over the last 20 years is pretty significant, let alone over the last 50 or 60. So you've got to be able to kind of put yourself in, let yourself time travel a little bit and realize that like, okay, maybe this guy would look 
like a walk-on trying to play that position in the modern game? Maybe he wouldn't because he would have been done modern training and everything. But 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 relative to what the game was at that time and what Ohio State football was at that time, he's still kind of a giant. Okay, so let's get to it. I thought in the quarterback evaluation, we're going to mix in how the texters voted, what we all think. I kind of want to break it down by guy a little bit as we go through this with the real contenders. I thought there was one slam dunk. Like almost everybody else, I could understand your argument, but I thought Troy Smith is it. Like it, you have to have Troy on it. If if somebody wants to have a debate about whether Troy should be one or not or whatever, to me, Troy is one. Heisman Trophy, led a, a team that reached the national championship game, seventh all-time in passing yards at Ohio State. Like that's he, He's Troy, right? And so that's how I thought this. He's number one on my list, and I will tell you that he is number one in the texture voting. That, again, the way we do this is you rank them one through 14 – so it's the average rank. He was a 2.13. The second place person was a 2.52. The third place person was almost five. So that's how much of a gap there was between the top two people in this vote and everybody else. Stephen, is, is Troy Smith on your Mount Buckmore? He's number one, and he literally, yeah, he's the only slam dunk. He's one of only two Ohio State quarterbacks to ever win the Heisman Trophy, and the other one was in 1944 when they weren't even throwing the forward pass at the time. He's just so important. It's a kid from Cleveland during a time when Ohio State was, like, all in on ever getting as many Ohio guys as possible in the recruiting classes. He is – they didn't win a national title, but I think this is just – he is, if you want to describe what Jim Trestle's time at Ohio State was and who's the most impactful player of the Jim Trestle era, it's probably Troy Smith, given that he was a, a, a lower-rated guy who didn't even come here to play quarterback at first, and he turned himself until at the, at the time he won the Heisman with the, the largest gap for, as far as first-place votes. 3-0 against Michigan, first Ohio State starting quarterback mm-hmm. to do that since Tippy Dye. And again, as, as Stephen referenced, Les Horvath, 1944 Heisman winner, quarterback half pack like we're just not doing that i just yeah. it's no offense to anybody it's just it's just not worth the conversation to get too confused in that nathan where are you on troy smith he was definitely on my list i didn't rank them one through four quite the same way i just i had my four guys um but I, if i were he would probably have been my number one guy that had to make it i just feel like um somebody who other than, I guess, I suppose in in you could argue as far as maybe team uh, credentials, but I mean, maximized what he was and like kind of helped define an era of of Ohio State football. Um, I, I, it, it checks almost every box. Dominant, dominant player of his era. Kind of a great path to greatness, right? Came in in the second half of 04, like tore up Michigan in 04. 05, as we reviewed in the Texas uh, retalkables, was sharing the job with Justin Swick in the second game against Texas because of his suspension, missed the first game, then came in and like really got it rolling 05. And then in 06, was just like the guy. And talking about Nathan, I mean, like presence, I think is a good word. Presence means a lot of things. It's sort of what Steven means. Like if you weren't there, like the pre- your presence being a Buckeye, you'd be missed. But Troy also had presence in the way we talk about like Troy had a thing. Everybody always talked about. So Troy's a great leader. 
and I and I think it's we're gonna not to be dismissive of like one of the greatest Buckeyes ever, but it's like everybody knew Troy was making this, so we'll spend a little less time on that. We don't have to go in order, so just Nathan, who's another guy that made your Mount Buckmore for quarterbacks? So as I was alluding to, I think you do have to sometimes set aside the modern game and go back and give credence to people who did things that, again, help define not just that maybe that era of Ohio State football, but have, have like endured through years of Ohio State football. And it's, if you still have a memorable name after like, you know, 50, 60, 70 years, to me, that's something that should be considered uh, even if the game has changed and, and even if um, it, it's, it's, it's just such a different game as it is today. So for uh, quarterbacking the super softs, for um, having a, a tremendous three-year career, I, I put Rex Kern on this list. Rex Kern also made it for me. Steven, did Rex Kern make it for you? He didn't make it for me, no. But I, I understand, and he obviously was in consideration. So Rex Kern is an absolutely defining player in Ohio State history. It's hard with the Super Sops because there were like a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> like they were great as a group. But I think when you're drilling down on it, right, when you get, when you get down to it, I think in the end the guys that are representative of that team are Rex Kern on offense and Jack Tatum on defense. And I think they both are on their own merits, but as representative of arguably the greatest team, greatest three-year run in Ohio State history, they're representative of that as well. He's He's been a Buckeye. He continues to be a Buckeye representative. And I will – I take this into account. It's just – it means something to me. He's Jim Tressel's favorite player. So like when Jim Tressel is little and his dad is a football coach and he loves Ohio State, he loves Rex Kern. Jim Tressel, like I think if you said to Jim Tressel, if you could have dinner with any four people in history, Rex Rex Kern is at Jim Tressel's dinner table. He's an excellent player. They should have won more than one national title. They did. They did. That 70 title counts, even though they lost their last game in a bowl game. It's counted on their list. They counted on their list. So they did win two. And the, you know, one of the great upsets in, in rivalry history is their loss at Michigan in 1969. So he is fundamentally Ohio State. The stats aren't there. At like all. they're not. 19 touchdowns, 24 interceptions, good runner for a quarterback. He's 18th all time in passing yards with 24 44. For quarterbacks, he's 13th all time in rushing yards with 17-14. But to me, at some point, you've got to get away from the stat sheet and acknowledge that it's practically a different sport right now. And and in the in the the idea of taking him out, all right, like they had it, you could have played another quarterback, right? They actually had another quarterback. I can't think of the guy's name. This is me being a bad host. They they you could have played another quarterback. But somebody had to be the quarterback for the Super Softs. And I, and I think he was – it's hard because I think there's a lot of stuff. There are some parallels you can draw between Rex Kern and Craig Krenzel. But the Super Softs are, are just a little different to me. It is the group that saved Woody's career and rejuvenated the second half of Woody Hayes. 
it was the group that was the recruiting class that he had to get. When you say super softs, like every Ohio State fans knows exactly what that means. And Rex Kern is like right at the top of the list of that. So I will tell you, the texters agreed with Steven. Rex Kern was sixth in the vote. And the fourth place person was at 5.55. Rex Kern was at 7.32. So like not all that close. In range, sixth. I said to me, he's got to make it. And, there, you know, again, it's it's a little bit about how old you are, what you think about as an Ohio State fan. You know, like there were people who who thought from the 440 said leaving Rex Kernoff would be a tragic injustice. Um, that's kind of where where I am from the 937 recency bias. And this person leaned hard on national championship quarterbacks and said, how can you lead off Rex Kern? And then we got another one from the 614 that says the girls want ice cream. And I, and I think that probably wasn't intended for us. So um, got ice cream. Yeah. I hope they, I hope they got it. I'll, I'll say this though about Rex current. I think for me, yeah, there's going to be some recent seen by especially since I'm probably going to speak for the young folk, uh, the young texters. I think part of it is you're bringing up the super softs. I'm going to use the fab five as an example when I throw the name Fab Five, they're a group, but who's the first person in that group you think about when I throw Fab Five out there? It's Ray probably King. Chris Weber. Thank you. Sorry. Thank you for that. It's probably Chris Weber. Rex Kern isn't the Chris Weber of the Super Softs. He's not the first person you think of. He's on the list, but he's the guy. You say probably, you'll say a guy's name, and then he's the guy after the and or after some comma or whatnot. So it's hard for me to put him on this list when. The, the the first reasoning is is he's become he's part of this historical group, but he's not the most he's not the biggest name in that historical group. It's probably second. Yeah, I think there are a lot of people who with the first name they think of is Rex Kern because he was a quarterback. I mean, quarterback is different. Tatum is kind of unto yeah, himself. yeah. Tatum is Tatum a... is unto himself <laughs> in a lot of ways. Sure. But you know, offense is kind of important, and quarterbacks are kind of famous. Yeah. So I, I don't think you. If Jack Tatum's Chris Weber, I think Rex Kern is more than Jalen Rose. No offense to Jalen Rose. I think it maybe is more like there's two Chris Webbers. But, you know, this is we're going to have some age differences here. So I I didn't really hesitate on Kern. But I'll tell you what, when you start, if you want to talk about Rex Kern and Craig Krenzel, then I it gets difficult for me. Right. Because. My list is not all their national championship quarterbacks, right? But yeah. the fact that Rex Kern has two national championships, one of which is not that real, like is really important. But yet I didn't apply that to somebody else, right? So I do national championships are hugely important, but they're not the only thing. So it's to me, Kern was clear. To me, Kern was second on my list, but I get it. I I uh, I, I kind of don't get it, but I, I understand where Steven's point here is coming from. So, Steven, you didn't have Kern. Bring up another person that you did have. This is where we're going to go. Probably might go left. I have this is not my number two guy. I'm just naming him. Braxton Miller is on my list. And I think the reason why is he might be the Allen Iverson of Ohio State quarterbacks. Cause he didn't really win anything yet. They had like that 24 game winning streak, but they lost in the big 10 championship. So he's never actually won a big 10 title as Ohio state starting quarterback. 
But man, if you were a high schooler or a college kid or a kid, or you just watching Ohio State and how electric that is, you can't replace seeing that live or seeing it on television when it was actually happening. Even if the results that weren't the same, it's like with Allen Iverson, he's kind of his streak head is pretty high, even if you know his actual uh, results or as far as winning and losing aren't necessarily there with the hardware. But like Braxton Miller during his heyday, just imagining what he would have been right now if that was going on in the NIL era and how much money he could have made and how impactful he was. And he's got LeBron James tweeting about him after he's scoring touchdowns and whatnot. That's just that's too memorable. Even if it's, you know, statistically and the hardware aren't necessarily there, that's too memorable for a person who is in college or watching that. So I will tell you that Braxton Miller did make it for the Texters. He was fourth. He was at 5.55. The third place person was at 4.94. The fifth place person was at 7.09. So I get it. And This is the one that I struggled with the most, but he did win two Chicago silver Chicago Tribune silver football awards Mm -hmm. as the big 10 MVP, which that is historic. Ohio state did go 24 and 0 with him as a starter in 2012 and in the regular season in 2013. And I think when you talk about impact, he borderline single-handedly saved the start of the Urban Meyer era and the start of the Urban Meyer era set up everything that's happening now. And, you know, if Urban Meyer, if they go nine and three in 2012, I don't know that it means they don't win the national championship in 2014. I don't, I don't think it's that direct, but I don't think you can, you can't pretend that like going 12 and in the first year didn't matter in terms of recruiting, in terms of belief, in terms of, hey, is this guy going to win outside the SEC, right? And that was Braxton. Now, Kenny Guyton also saved him against Purdue, but that was Braxton. I mean, as Urban said a million times, the uh, the offense was Braxton left, Braxton right. And then in 2013, they were like legitimately like one of the two best teams in the country Mm -hmm. based on Braxton Miller and Carlos Hyde. And like Carlos Hyde was good, but he's not this. It really was based on Braxton Miller. And they should have won that game against Michigan State. So I put him in mind too. I, I want to bring up the person that like I was on the fence with between Braxton and this other guy, because I think I might change my mind later in this podcast, depending how the discussion goes. So Braxton was my fourth. Troy was my one. Rex Kern was my two. Braxton was my fourth. But I think, and this will come up a little bit in the receiver discussion. I think Braxton is a lot like a guy like Ted Ginn Jr. It's not just about stats. It's not just about winning, but it's the way he made you feel when you watched him play. And it's the fact that when you watched him, you said, I've never seen anybody like that. And I'm not sure I'm ever going to see anybody like that again. And when I wrote my piece about Ted Ginn Jr. retiring, that's what I said. The two guys in my time on the beat since 2005 who were unlike anybody else were Braxton Miller and Ted Ginn Jr. And somebody said, like, well, what about Chase Young? And it's like, Chase Young was great, but like he was the evolution of the Bosa brothers. He wasn't completely different and unto himself. And so it, when I say Braxton, when I say he is one of the four best Quarterbacks in Ohio State history? Probably not. Does he belong on Mount Buckmore? I am on the fence, but I'm leaning yes. Nathan, Braxton Miller. So again, I don't know how far ahead in the discussion we want to jump, but for me, it did come down to a head-to-head decision. So so don't say who the head-to-head is. Talk just about the Braxton part. 
And, and for the Braxton part, it, I mean, he was fifth and it, on he was the one guy who got left on the outside. And it's I have great respect for what he did. Um, but I do think that whether it was his fault or not, whether there was anything he could do to control it, it was also you want to give respect to the fact that it was a transitional era, but also uh, you have to accept the reality that part of that time, like it wasn't really team success wasn't there to be achieved at at the same level as some of these other guys. And the fact, you know, head to head, he did end up not finishing his career, even as a quarterback at Ohio state. And there were extenuating circumstances there too. But if uh, all of those things add up to be just enough that I that he pushed out of my top four. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair. I mean, he did enough in his two years as the starter and then the little bit of 2011, which barely even counts that um, I think, you know, because here's the thing. If he wouldn't have gotten hurt. Yeah, he might be number one. Like maybe he wouldn't be ahead of Troy. But like if he had played the other year he was supposed to play. And I spent all of 2014 saying, I think Braxton could do this. I think Braxton could do this. That 2014 team was ready to win in a lot of ways. And JT Barrett ran it like a point guard and was the great guy to get him through the regular season. And then Cardale was awesome when they needed him. But that should have been Braxton's year. Now, Braxton might have gone pro, but that should have been Braxton's year. And he had a year kind of stolen from him. And again, for Rushmore, right? Like, I think it's okay to count like the spin move, right? That wasn't performed as a quarterback, but is part of the thing that you feel when you say Braxton Miller, that's in there. So it's like, I'm not cutting off his career and saying that like 2015 doesn't count because it's still him. We're putting his face on a mountain, but I also don't think you need 2015 to have him in the conversation, but Nathan, we're splitting hairs a little bit. Like you have him fifth, barely not fourth. I have him fourth, barely not fifth. Like there is a hair to split. He is right there, but I don't think he is definitively there with all the other things that go into it. Yeah. Someone has to be fifth. Someone has to be the best guy, not on the list. And I think that's him on mine. So now the only question is, is the guy that you guys have fourth and fifth, the same guy. I think it yeah, is probably. I, I will be very curious to see if that is the case. Okay. I have three guys in. Steven has two guys in. The Texters have two guys in. And Nathan has two guys in. So I'm going to chill out for a little bit because these are three of my four. Steven, who's next for you? Justin Fields is, is next. Let's just let's just get there now. I I mean one, he may, he's making everything that they're doing right now and recruiting the quarterback position going forward possible because he came in here in two, for two years and got to the playoffs both years. Uh, the two legendary games against Clemson that ended the way they ended. The off-the-field stuff and how it kind of seemed when he first got here and the first time we talked to him, like this was clearly just a business decision. He wanted to come here and learn from Ryan Day and get to the NFL. And he did that. He That was always going to happen. But it always seemed like with every decision he was making, both on the field and off the field, he was turning more into a Buckeye and more of a fan favorite for his personality and who he actually was along with what he was as a talented football player. And then also he just might be the most talented guy they've had play the position. And that some of that is just the, the progression that we've seen the position of quarterback take in college football. But some of that is, is just, he's probably the best quarterback from a pound for pound standpoint. 
I think that is true. And I think that matters. And again, it's not, we're not here to compare Les Horvath and Justin Fields, like who's the better athlete, but Justin feels like the evolution, right? Just like Chase Young was the evolution of like, Hey, they've had a lot of great guys. And we've talked about Justin a lot. And I always said that he's pieces of this and pieces of that, but he brought it all together. The way he played in his first year in 2019 blew my mind that he was so poised and so prepared to do what he did again. Just like Braxton Miller helped set up the Urban Meyer era, Justin Fields like set up the Ryan Day era. That matters. Like what comes, uh, what's going to come after this for Ryan Day and the Buckeyes is a lot of it's built on the back of Justin Fields, and I think that matters. That he's a Heisman finalist matters. That he slayed the dragon against Clemson in the semifinal really, really, really matters. And like outplayed Trevor Lawrence when the chips were down. That, that he is an incredibly accurate passer, but yet also an absolutely dynamic runner who could have done more as a runner if they had asked him to or needed him to. I think he's the best player. He's the best player I've seen. And that's just like, I mean, somebody else might be next, right? The more recent guys, you, you should. You're, the next guy should always be a little bit better. But he's just a little beyond Braxton Miller and Terrell Pryor and JT Barrett and everybody else in this kind of modern era. And so while Braxton Miller was in that battle of fourth and fifth for me, I had Justin third. I had Justin in. But I could also second guess that because like a lot of the stats are really, it's two years, right? I mean, it's two really good years, but the stats are held against him. That's not his fault. You really can't do that. I, He's only only he's 11th all time in passing yards, which like I just thought he was higher, but that's the pandemic. He should be higher. Mm-hmm. I mean, without the pandemic, he's 11th without the pandemic. He's probably he'd, in the he'd be seven four. Now, uh, yeah, I mean, he'd be between four and seven. You're right. Yeah. So like that's clear. So that's not about him. That's about circumstance. The 63 to nine touchdown to interception ratio is just like mind boggling. Like again, to make so few mistakes for how many big plays he made and tough as uh, memorably tough in a million different ways, whether it's coming back in the Michigan game, whether it's coming back, you know, last year after taking the shot in the ribs, just like all the stuff about him that he was so immensely talented and absolutely such a grinder at the same time. I had him third, Nathan, you and Justin Fields. Yeah, uh, definitely made my list. I, not to get too into the weeds on this, but I went back and looked. Uh, according to Wikipedia, uh, the four presidents that were chosen from Mount Rushmore were chosen to pre- represent the nation's birth, growth, development, and preservation. So that's how you ended up with Washington, Jefferson, Roosevelt, and Lincoln. And I think of Justin Fields as the Teddy Roosevelt sort of of our Mount Buckmore because it's about development. It's about he is, I think, going to last, and I guess this will come up in our conversation later, but right now, he is the face of what Ohio State is a modern football entity. Uh, even more than Chase Young, I would say, even more than Ryan Day, I think what Justin Fields did coming here, having the success that he did, and now what that means, the, the kind of template that that sets for this program going forward at the most important position in the sport, and potentially what he could do with it in the NFL now, I and mean, we'll see. We've thought that before about Ohio State quarterbacks and hasn't really worked out but he might be the first one to then go and take that torch and run with it at the next level, which is sort of the missing ingredient in all of these Ohio state quarterbacks that we're talking about. 
Um, this, this whole Mount Buckmore at this position is really devoid of NFL success, or at least it has been based on who we've picked so far. So he is the guy. He is the one that we project the most. In some ways, it seems like a, an overreach to take a guy whose career just ended last year and say he goes up there and he only played a year and a half and he wasn't even an Ohio State recruit originally. He was kind of this guy that swooped in. But everything he accomplished in an iconic Michigan moment, not just being a Heisman finalist, but having a season that if Joe Burrow doesn't have the season, he does. I mean, that season moving around through history could have won a Heisman trophy in, in many seasons. Um, so it, it wasn't just like a slipped in by popularity or whatever. Like it was legitimately a great season. Like all those things, I, I, I thought he was um, almost a no brainer had to be on here. He's also kind of the face of what college football is now in the sense of, you know, the one-time transfer rule and the transfer portal in the sense that he did it successfully. He transferred once because as a five-star quarterback who didn't work out and then went somewhere else and he was a Heisman Trophy finalist and got to the playoff every year. And as we sit here with this quarterback battle now, and as you look around the country, as teams build their quarterback rooms, there's going to be another Justin Fields. And he was the first one to do it. That's a really good point. I mean, he is emblematic of the modern college football. And so he, 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 again, he was three for me and we'll get to it. When we get to our thing about what Quinn Ewers would have to do to get on this, we'll talk about who he would bump. So we'll each have to say, well, sort of then who your fourth guy is, who would he bump? So my four are in, I'm Troy Smith, Rex Kern, Justin Fields, Braxton Miller. We have three for the texters and Steven that are the same so far, Troy Smith, Justin Fields, and Braxton Miller. We're looking for a fourth for each of them. And then Nathan also has three, Troy Smith, Rex Kern, Justin Fields. So when we come back, we'll figure out who is the fourth quarterback on the mountains for those people. And then we'll get to Quinn Ewers. We'll do that next. Talking Mount Buckmore on Buckeye Talk. Doug, Nathan, Steven, this is pretty fun. Uh, This is a good idea. I like this. It's cliched, but the discussion's not cliched. So that's what I like about it. And and we're going to find... The thing that I like about it and why I wanted to do it now with a lot of these positions is there are a lot of positions in Ohio State history where it's like there's maybe like a one or two guys who were slam dunks. And then it's like for the third and fourth spots, there's like six candidates because like there's no shortage. Right. I mean, it's not like you're scraping for the fourth guy. It's like, oh, my gosh, we can't put that guy on. Right. That they're all great players. So this is a really fun time to talk about it. And then within that. You know, when there's some uncertainty about that last spot, it's like, well, the next great Buckeye is right around the corner. So wait till we talk about Chris Olave and the receiver Mount Buckmore. Wait till we talk about Travion Henderson. Wait till we talk about Jack Sawyer and the the edge rushers, right? I mean, I'm really, really looking forward to these coming conversations. Nathan, who's your fourth guy? So this is the one where I had to make a choice between him and Braxton Miller, and I chose JT Barrett. I went with the guy who, as much as you don't want to hold 2014 being taken away from Braxton Miller against him, uh, JT Barrett then actually showed up and did the job and 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 had an amazing season for Ohio State. Um, got them in position to then go on and win that national championship. I understand he didn't then go on and finish it, but it's still, I, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. The, the stepping into that moment as a freshman. Um, being a three-time, you know, Big Ten quarterback of the year is, is I think, uh, a thing that has to be mentioned here. Um, 
for for that four year totality, I think that was maybe something that, that pushed me over the edge too. Was that I feel like he exemplified something about Ohio State and its just presence in the Big Ten and 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 Ohio State's um, dominance of the Big Ten. I know that maybe that didn't line up exactly with how they were they weren't dominating the league from a wins and loss standpoint exactly the way they are now. But just like again, the Ohio State presence in the league. Um, Ohio State sort of just imposing itself on the league. I thought he's a representation of that. I think he personified that a little bit throughout his four years. So let me ask this before we dive more into this discussion. Steven, is JT Barrett your fourth? Don't say who it is, just if it's JT, yes or no. No, it's not. Okay. So JT Barrett is the guy that I was on the fence with, with Braxton. JT, like, has every record. (laughs) Like, JT has... um, 9,000 passing yards, 9,400. Arch Schleister has 7,500. Like he's almost 2,000 yards ahead of everybody. He has 104 touchdown passes uh, as a Buckeye. Like he's, let's see, I'm trying to get the thing. Justin Fields is second with 63. He's like 41 ahead of everybody else. Plus he ran. He ran it, man. He ran it like like a mamma jamma. Like he's only in terms of a quarterback running it, he's only behind Braxton. And he's less than a hundred yards behind Braxton. Like statistically, he's the guy. And he is a tremendous winner. A tremendous winner. And I think that like he kind of, I mean, I don't know. This is he he get probably, I mean, he's like he's the national championship quarterback for the 2014 team. Even though he wasn't in the playoff, he got him there. As a redshirt freshman who'd never played before, he got him there. And I'm sure we'll have a debate about like, well, it's the age-old debate. Would he have gotten over the top if he hadn't gotten hurt? Would they have won it if he was the quarterback? He dragged them there. And when he broke his leg against Michigan, he came back and sat in the stands and watched his guys go on without him. Like he is a tremendously tough, integral part of Ohio State football. And for much of his career, the fans wanted him benched. <laughs> I was waiting on that. I was waiting on the butt. That's all. Because you were you were too complimentary of him. It was all. Well, it, it was necessary. But what does that mean exactly? You he, know, it, it, there's not a ton of other guys, I think, at any position. Who are in the race to be one of these four guys on Mount Buckmore that has as big of a butt as JT. Right. Now, literally also, and figuratively, I mean, I love butt power. I mean, like that guy, like you give me a guy with like a low center of gravity. The guy's like a fullback. Yeah. Tremendously physical and tough and an underrated athlete. I mean, there are not a lot of quarterbacks, not a great thrower, decent, not great. Not a lot of quarterbacks with that combination of power and speed. I mean, he's more powerful. Like, again, Justin's probably that level of powerful. Justin's the next evolution. But to me, it didn't come down to JT Barrett and Justin. It's like Justin's in, so then JT. The statistical case is hard to ignore now. But they're also kind of like with all this stuff, anytime you're having a Hall of Fame debate or anything, it's like there are guys who just like accumulate stats. And it's like, all right, well, who would you take for one game? There's like Bingo. multiple guys I'd take for one game ahead of JT. But that's not the only thing. But it's, it's, it's at least a, a component of it. So I thought this is really difficult. I could be persuaded to go to JT, but I don't think Braxton has a butt. 
I think most Ohio State fans, when they watch Braxton, just loved it. And he wasn't a great thrower either. But I think they just loved it. And I think a lot of people, but I will tell you this, Nathan, do you think the Texters voted JT in the top four or not? Yes. Stephen, what do you think? The Texters vote him in? No. I was surprised they did. He's third. Okay. So the Texter top four, it turns out, does not exactly match any of us because there's like a wrinkle a couple different ways. Mm-hmm. The Texter Mount Buckmore is Troy Smith, Justin Fields, two, JT Barrett, three, Braxton Miller, four. Now, that's a lot of recency bias. It's practically like their last four quarterbacks almost. No offense to Todd Beckman. And listen, we have to talk. I want to talk about some of the guys who didn't make it, like Terrell Pryor and Arch Schleister. It is unfortunate that two of the greatest quarterbacks in Ohio State history have things that don't allow you to just think of them in terms of football players, right? And and Schleister and Terrell are very different. I'm not comparing their situations. Arch Schleister has spent time in prison. Terrell Pryor just broke NCAA rules that aren't rules anymore, whatever. But that there's complicating factors here. I just like, I don't, it's, it's hard to put either of those guys on, right? So I was a little surprised though, Nathan, that they did it given what the feedback we've gotten over time from Texas about like, you know, we've had JT podcasts. It's like, you love JT, but there's usually a but, but they put him third here. So that's some love. As I was researching this, I found an old Buckeye Talk podcast that was whose legacy will stand up better in the long run jt barrett or braxton millers you guys literally argued out that i didn't listen to it but you guys actually argued that (laughs) i didn't listen to it buckeye talk uh (laughs) i was on it and i I can't i have no idea what we said i don't even know what i thought back then i have no idea what we said buckeye talk (laughs) if if people do a google for jt barrett versus braxton miller i can't remember which one of those two was in i think it was jt barrett versus braxton miller google that you'll find the old buckeye talk and you guys can hear um, looked like it was back in the bill uh, and maybe RE days uh, of having that argument. Um, but I also I think that the texters, because we have a pretty pragmatic group of texters, as we've seen through other polls and things we've done. And I think that even if you question the game to game decision or, you know, think they should have gone to uh, Dwayne Haskins sooner or, or whatever, I think you still look back at the totality of someone's career and see what they accomplished and give that the credit it's due. I, you know what I'm saying? I, I think that at the end of the day, you can respect a guy for what he went out and accomplished, even if you quibble with the manner in which it was accomplished. I'm going to sound like a JT Barrett hater, but it's fine. It is what it is. The career starts are hard because, yeah, he's blowing some guys out of the water, but the guys he's blowing out of the water didn't throw the ball. So I can't. It just for me right now with quarterback stats in the Big Ten, I have to look at it no as no more as this. That just meant you were around for a while, whether people wanted you around for a while or not. You were a four-year starter, I would hope, in the 2010 decade that you'd have at least a hundred touchdowns if you're a starter for four year four years. It's the fact that Dwayne had half of that in 14 games. Justin almost had half of that his first 14 games. And quite frankly, would probably have 20 more touchdown passes had we had a normal season. I I was the guy throwing it out there. Can he throw for 60 touchdown passes last year just based on what the offense might look like? And so it's hard to look at career statistics for JT Barrett, just given that 
he got a chance to play on an offense that a lot of these other quarterbacks before him didn't. But when you stack him up against other quarterbacks of his era, the 104 touchdowns, isn't that impressive? So I think though that's why I don't look at it as a, you know, yes, there is a totality to it, but also individually three times the big 10 quarterback of the year, three times first team, all big 10, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the big 10 freshman of the year, twice the offensive MVP of a bowl game, um, the, 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 the silver football winner. I mean, there were also just individually year by year by year, regardless of the consternation and ambivalence that some Ohio state fans had about him, he was considered pound for pound, the best quarterback in the big 10. Now I know that that's damning with faint praise, perhaps to say best. quarterback. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's another, but <laughs> but again, but it's all about again, but it is, it's about comparing the person to the mm-hmm. era in which they actually played. Most wins as an Ohio state quarterback with 38, which again is an accumulation, but he was here for a lot of winning and he was yeah. a, an important part of that. H- here's the thing. I think in the end, JT Barrett is a great Buckeye. Right. I mean, like he has a butt, but he's a great Buckeye. It's just this is this is hard. This is elite territory. So I think we're down to who Steven has as his fourth. I think there are three legitimate. Well, I think there are three people, probably maybe four. There are four people that I could see Steven picking here. Um, I probably only three. I can see there are three people I think Steven could pick here. Two of them I get, but the one that I think, Stephen, I would guess that you picked, I am going to argue against vociferously if you pick who I think you picked as your fourth guy. Should we both so, guess? Should we, should we, like, put it here in the yeah, chat? Yeah, guess. Let's just, no, just guess real quick. And, who do you think he picked, Nathan? I think he picked Dwayne Haskins. That's who I think he picked, too. I didn't. I almost did, though. I, I almost did because it was so loud, and it's kind of a – a BC 80 situation of like quarterback play before Dwayne quarterback play after Dwayne, but Justin's just, Justin takes care of that for me. So I didn't pick Dwayne. Okay. Actually with, with Joe Germain, honestly. And part of the reason why is he is the best of the John Cooper era. I mean, during his time on the team, they were 30, 32 and five. And he's kind of the introduction to the modern quarterback play for Ohio State. You know, we threw out stats before of guys having like nine touchdown passes and 10 interceptions. Joe Germain had 25 touchdowns and seven interceptions and 3,330 yards his, his final year as a starter here. That was kind of the first real quarterback play we saw from an Ohio State football player. And I just think that matters a little bit, especially when you're talking about an era where they never really got over the hump. This was like one of the few bright points of the Cooper era. So it sort of becomes an argument of like, does anybody think Joe Germain was a better football player than JT Barrett? But Joe Germain was a fan favorite, whereas fans were ambivalent towards JT Barrett. Well, no, I don't I don't know if that's uh, I think ambivalence probably too far. But I mean, but Joe Germain also is let's there are people who back this up from the 740. No love for Joe Germain. Not surprising. But I believe Ohio State would have won a national title had John Cooper gone with him or Stanley Jackson exclusively. And that's what Joe Germain <laughs> got trapped in. Um, Joe Germain for our texters was 11th. Okay. So that's where I'm way so off. So he is not one of the people that I thought. I thought you were down to Haskins, Cardale, and Craig Krenzel. Because the Craig Krenzel National Championship for 
I mean, argue. I mean, I don't know. We can yeah. have an argument someday. What's the greatest Ohio State team? The national championship, and then what he did after. I mean, they're still great. No three. I mean, there's there's a lot there to argue for Craig Krenzel, and Cardale is such a specific. I want Cardale's face on a mountain kind of thing that he, the magic, the true magic of three postseason games. And then he was 11 and 0 as a starter in his career. Like I'll hear a Cardale Mount Buckmore argument that is tied to nothing but magic. But you, I, I didn't. And then I thought the one, I thought it was Haskins, Krenzel or Cardale. And you surprised me a little bit with Jermaine fourth all time. Mm-hmm. Fourth all time in Ohio State passing yards, uh, 56 touchdowns, 20 interceptions. He's behind JT Barrett, Arch Schleister, and Bobby Hoying. I just don't know. Like, like part of it is that, as you said, it's like from the John Cooper era, which is an era filled with heartbreak. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't know. It's like, do you got to put that on a mountain? And that's no offense to Joe Germain, but the fact is that, like, the, the, the team, from a team standpoint, the defining characteristic of like the Joe Germain era when they won a boatload of, of games and were a great, talented team is like they didn't get it done. So then it's like, well, I, I might lean. And then he didn't go on to be like, he didn't tear it up in the NFL yeah. or whatever, right? Like he's not Tom Brady. It's not like, well, you've got to have Joe Germain. So I think if you want to lean title, right, you can lean Krenzel, you can lean Kern, you can lead, lean Cardale, you can even lean JT. I think if you want to lean like skill, I would lean more Braxton Field stuff, which you did. Mm-hmm. So the, the bottom line here to me is that you wound up with no quarterbacks that won a title. And yeah. that's that's not, you know, that I don't not know dis- if it's, wrong it's not or disqualifying. Not. It's not disqualifying. But I think if you said to yourself, who is more important to Ohio State history? Rex Kern or Joe Germain? I think it's Rex Kern. So that's why, that's where, you know, you and I have the same three guys, Troy, Braxton, Justin. Mm-hmm. I have Kern, Joe, you have Joe Germain. I just think Rex Kern is a bigger deal in the history of Ohio State. That's fine. I think Ohio State quarterbacks who have won a national title, it's not, it's, 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 it's Mac Jonish, Joneses, where it's like, Jonesish, is that how you say that? Where it's like, did you win because of the quarterback or did you win in spite of the quarterback? Well, I don't, I'm not quite in spite of the quarterback, but more that the quarterback but, was kind of along for the ride was a point. He was, guard. Yeah. He was the manager. While even with 2002, it's like, Whoa, look at this team. Even with Cardell's situation as great of an arm Cardell had Ezekiel Elliott exists, right? Joey Bosa exists. Michael Thomas and Evan Smith, Evan Spencer throwing a touchdown pass to Michael Thomas exists. So it's like, Back to the point of when I was thinking of doing this, it's like, if you take this guy out, does it change history or not? And I think with Ohio State's national championships, with their quarterbacks a lot of times, you can take that specific guy out, and I still think that team wins a national title because of everything else that was around it, which is a testament to the talent Ohio State always has. And it's kind of weird, like their best quarterbacks didn't win titles, like Troy didn't win one, Justin didn't win one, Braxton didn't win one, right? I mean, like that. That comes up a lot. So mm-hmm. um, I did not really consider Joe Jermaine very much because I, I was just thinking about, you know, but he was great. And listen, I do think it's fair. People did love Joe Jermaine. I mean, I do think mm-hmm. it's fair to say that he is a fan favorite and that I think people were frustrated by the quarterback back and forth. And a lot of people over the years have said, man, I wish Cooper 
would have picked a guy. And I think that, you know, it's kind of one of those uh, things you hope they learn from every time they have a quarterback battle. Um, they never do. <laughs> and they never do. Let's let's run through it real quick. Again, the four, I gave you 14. 14th in the in the texture voting was Mike Tomzak. And we'll, we'll talk about different guys as we get to them. 14th with Mike Tomzak. 13th with, was Bobby Hoying. Listen, Bobby Hoying's third in passing yards. And Bobby Hoying is another Cooper quarterback who put up big stats surrounded by talent, right? And didn't get over the top. So I think they are in very similar buckets because, listen, as much as Ohio State doesn't have huge quarterback passing stats, I mean, Coop was recruiting some receivers and they threw it around a little bit, right? So mm-hmm. I, I think Hoying and Jermaine are kind of cut from the same cloth in a lot of ways. 12th is Cornelius Green, who, frankly, I think probably should have gotten a little more support. I mean, I, I wasn't really that close to putting Corny Green on Mount Rushmore, but someone from the 615 said, please tell me Corny Green's in the top 10. I'd put him in the top 10. First black quarterback at Ohio State, right there with Archie in that run in the mid-70s when they were on the cusp of a national title every year and never got it done. Just was a, a dynamic threat in a lot of ways. And then, again, what he represented in Ohio State history as the first black quarterback, I, I think Corny probably should have gotten a little higher ranking than this. Joe Germain, 11th, Art Schleister, 10th. Nathan, this is one of those, and I'll, I'll, t- I'll say, Art Schleister, 10th, Terrell Pryor, 9th. So we said it's not the same thing, but they're both guys who were great quarterbacks in their own right who have a thing. And I think for a Mount Rushmore thing, for a Mount Rushmore vote, if you have a thing, it affects the vote, Nathan. Uh, absolutely, it does. Um, it's because it is reputation, and it's what you think of I mean, like it or not, the first thing people think of when they think of Arch Schleister is not playing football at Ohio State. They think of him, the stories of him getting like uh, two speeding tickets back to back because he's trying to go place a second bet in Las Vegas, whatever that story <laughs> is. Or like with Terrell Pryor, they think of the tattoos before they think of, of anything that he accomplished at Ohio State, I think. So both of those guys, I, I think it, it's absolutely right. When you're talking about reputation, you're talking about legacy. That's ultimately what Mount Buckmore is about. It's about legacy. It's not even really about accomplishment. Accomplishment is part of your legacy. So the whole thing gets wrapped up into your legacy. I will say I considered both of those guys. I took a look beyond am I looking, am I putting too much on the reputation and not enough on what they accomplished on the field? But ultimately, I think you make football arguments as to why the four guys that I picked, and I think the people that all of us picked, maybe with the exception of Jermaine, but like all these guys I would put on before prior and Schleister just for football reasons. Number eight, Dwayne Haskins. Number seven, Cardale Jones. Steven, did you give much consideration to either of them as you were coming down? Like who was your fifth guy? As you were coming down, if Jermaine's kind of your last guy in, who was he really up against in your vote? JT Barrett is fifth. Kern is sixth. Krenzel is seventh. Dwayne Haskins is eighth. And then Cardell's ninth. Okay. I was I thought I was worried you were going to get swept away by Dwayne's gigantic year. But to your credit, no, you did no, not no, get no. swept away by that. Because no. I do think in the end, I think, again, I've said it a million times. After that year, it was going to be, was it more that Ryan Day created Dwayne Haskins or that right. Dwayne Haskins created Ryan day. And we know the answer now. So right. Dwayne was part of a system credit to him for doing it, but a one year starter, they didn't get to the playoff. 
he missed Terry McLaurin in the end zone against Purdue. And if he hits that, maybe they do it. Like Dwayne's a good quarterback. I didn't consider him. I considered Cardale. I, I really did. And, and to me, when you're getting down to that, I'm not exactly sure. If I had three guys I was strong about, it came down to Braxton and JT for the last spot. But Nathan, I could see Cardale for real. If somebody on this podcast wanted to argue strongly, you've got to put him up there. It's the greatest three-game run for one of the greatest teams in Ohio State history. And talk about pull a guy out. If you pull Cardale Jones out, they don't win it. Like, and that was that's Urban's title. That's you know, it's a huge thing. I get it. If you're doing a college football backup quarterback Hall of Fame, I think he would be on that Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. He'd be on the third string from out Rushmore. So snide. Do you, you don't, buy, <laughs> but you don't buy any of the magical. That, oh, no, like, no, no. I wasn't. That wasn't that, that. I wasn't saying that to refute what you were saying. I'm saying that that uh, I could that that needs to be recognized in some way. That it 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 deserves some respect that a guy was put in that situation under those circumstances and came through in the way he did. Like if you were like like I said, I was trying to decide between Barrett and. Braxton. Braxton, sorry. Um, and I could see someone saying, well, you know what? Actually, to split the vote, I'm just going to give it to the guy who actually went out and won the game. Because, that, you know, as much as he didn't get them there, he finished the job. And I think that needs to be recognized. So I, I, it's, a, it's a plausible argument. It's not one that I ultimately made for myself, but it's certainly plausible. I think Dwayne and Cardell – are two prime examples of why sometimes you got to let things cool off before you make decisions like this. Because in the moment, I think Cardell's on Mount Rushmore because that's crazy. That's a crazy story of how he ended up winning a national title. And kind of the same thing for Dwayne. It's like, especially if you'd have done it after the Michigan game, if we'd have been sitting there, you know, that Monday, if that pod would, well, we were only doing one pod a week at that point. If the big Wednesday pod that week would have been a quarterback route Mount Rushmore, I think we both would have made probably made a case for Dwayne coming off of that type of a season, what he had just done to Michigan. But now that it's cooled off a little bit and you've had some time to breathe, it's just a loud moment that when these other guys have these can stack up moment after moment after moment, they kind of go down the totem pole a little bit when they just have this one loud moment, even if it is a pretty big, loud moment. From the 614, I get why he's not in the top four, but Cardale will always be on there for me for what he did during that three-game stretch. Legendary. And legendary should be immortalized. That's the case. That's the case for Cardale, and I think it's a pretty good case. So Dwayne, eight, Cardale, seven, Rex, six. And then we'll finish the discussion with the guy who finished fifth and a guy that we have not talked about very much yet. And that's Craig Krenzel, the Rex Kern of the modern day, surrounded by great talent, but a leader for an uh, an absolutely unbelievable Ohio State team. And there are some people, some tech subscribers who are saying, like, what are you like? Where is Krenzel? Where is Rex Kern? Where is Kurt? Like the championship quarterbacks? What are we doing here? And I hear that. Like, I do hear that. And I think it's very possible. None of us covered Craig Krenzel. And, you know, I covered three of the four guys that I put on my list. If, if I had been here four years earlier and covered the O2 team, I don't know. I don't know how my personal experience like with that would have influenced it. But Nathan, like I, I I'm, I'm, I want to say I'm surprised, but I shouldn't be surprised. Again, Craig Carenzel came in ahead of Rex Kern, ahead of Cardale Jones, ahead of Dwayne Haskins, ahead of Terrell Pryor, fifth in this vote. 
the texters certainly considered it. Yeah, I think for me personally, my perception of him is is somewhat colored by being growing up a Bears fan and and having him be a guy who they just got as as sort of a you know drafted to be a backup, drafted to be a a, a next res- second resort, third resort. Although to give him credit, he then actually ended up getting like thrust into action as a rookie, I think, and winning games for them, uh, which kind of just really extended the should have extended the sort of Ohio state legacy of Craig Krenzel. He's one of the few guys who had any real success in the NFL as a quarterback, even if it was brief and even if it was limited. Um, So I, again, I think those guys do have to be represented. I think we've also though just reached a point in Ohio state history where sort of post Krenzel, you expect something different from an Ohio state quarterback. Yeah, he's he's like a two year version of JT in a lot of ways that he didn't accumulate the stats in the same way. And like JT leads in every stat. And like we one of us didn't put JT on and two of us barely put JT on. And JT like dwarfs Krenzel's stats and also was the regular season quarterback for national champion. So you look at Krenzel in 02, 12 touchdown passes, seven interceptions, 59.4 percent completions, 2100 yards. In 03, and the 03 team's really, really good. 15 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 55% completions, 2,000 yards. Like, statistically, it's just not there. And so, if you if you let that matter at all, and you don't lean too hard on the championship stuff, I just, I, I he's a step short. He's in that second tier, right? If we made a second mountain, you can make a second mountain here. And have a pretty good debate because we wound up with six different people for our four spots. I'm including the textures as a person. All four of us put on Troy Smith. All four of us put on Justin Fields. Three of the four said Braxton Miller. Two of the four said JT Barrett. Two of the four said Rex Kern. One of the four said Joe Germain. So like, you know, if we're saying that, all right, this mountain is Smith, Fields, Braxton, and then either Barrett or Kern, then the next thing is either Barrett or Kern, Germain, and now we're in Krenzel territory, right? Krenzel, Cardale, right? That's probably maybe your next four. So, Stephen, I think we did pretty good. I, I, I don't think we we don't need uni- unanimity here. Um, that we had six people for the four spots. I think it's a. I think it's interesting that Troy's the only slam dunk, even though Justin also made all four, which I think tells us there have been a lot of good quarterbacks in Ohio State history, but I don't know that there have been that many absolutely tremendously great ones. I think it's good that Troy is the only slam dunk because he actually won the Heisman Trophy. You know, Justin Fields was awesome here, but he didn't really have the hardware, national hardware to show for it. I think a better way to put it is there's been a lot of memorable quarterbacks here, but not necessarily from a talent standpoint, good, which is going to lead us into the next part of this discussion where over the next 20 years, we're going to see a lot of good quarterbacks. Let's see if they can also be memorable. It's one of those things. It's like we were doing Clemson and it's like you had Deshaun Watson and you had Trevor Lawrence and you have like Taj Boyd or whatever. And it's like, okay, that's it. No, I know that's it. They don't have the history as far back. I don't know who Clemson's quarterback was was like in 1991 when they won the national title. But even like Trevor and Deshaun, like there's not a I know Deshaun didn't win it, but like there are just like there's a lot of places where 
if you were doing a four, there'd be more slam dunks, I think, right? Yeah. Like there are places that have had more great. USC zip- for sure. USC would have probably a, they'd have two Mount Rushmore's just standing next to each other. Yeah. So I just, it's the reality of Ohio state quarterbacks. They'll have, that'll be, I think the level of accomplishment takes a jump a little bit when we get to some of these other positions. All right. When we come back, what does Quinn Ewers have to do and who would he knock off? We're doing Mount Buckmore on Buckeye talk. 614-350-3315. That's how you can vote on the coming Mount Buckmore discussions, which will I'll send out another one this weekend. We'll do another vote this weekend. We'll give you a time. If you hear this on Friday, get in. I'll send one out on Saturday. We'll start ranking another position group. Is it okay to center this discussion around Quinn Ewers, right? I mean, it's like the next guy, but we have the number one recruit in the country in the next class who's coming here. So like, no offense to CJ Stroud and Jack Miller and Kyle McCord, but we're not going to have a discussion about whether you can be one of the four greatest quarterbacks in Ohio State history or a Mount Buckmore quarterback. That's what we're talking about with Quinn Ewers. Nathan, just the idea, the discussion we just had, do you feel like Quinn Ewers has like an opportunity? Like he really has a chance to be viewed this way or like how unbelievable would he have to be to crack Mount Buckmore five years from now? I don't think you'd have to be that unbelievable because we have some debate over who goes on there after those top two spots. I do think it is interesting, though, that maybe the person whose place he would most easily take, you could argue, would be Justin Fields, because our argument for Fields is that he's sort of the modern face of Ohio State football. And if Ewers were to go on and win a Heisman, win a national championship, do some of the things that Fields was adjacent to, but actually finished the job, then maybe that's the guy you think he would maybe most easily bump off. I think I was going to make that point. That is a great yeah. point. Like even if you don't have Fields fourth in your mind right now, it's what he represents. Stephen, what do you think Quinn would have to do? I, I agree with that. It's like how Nathan explained what the actual Mount Rushmore is and who everybody is. He just take that spot. I think, I think he's got to win a national title or win a Heisman. I don't think he has to do both. I think his recruiting ranking that allure is going to play into it a little bit more than it will for the other guys, because people care about recruiting in a different way in 2021 than they did even in 2006. Um, and because Justin's not technically an Ohio state recruit, he's a Georgia commit. So I just think he's got to win a national title, especially if he does it in that 2023 season where we're calling it a super team. Cause then we can look at it and compare that to the 2014 rosters and the 2002 roster, which won national titles. And as I mentioned earlier, they had quarterbacks who kind of were along for the ride with the talent. This kid's not going to be along for the ride. He's going to have all that talent and also be the guy driving it. So I don't agree with that because I think we're talking, he would be bumping off guys who have neither a national title nor a Heisman, right? I mean, if he's bumping, Justin Fields doesn't have a national title or a Heisman. Braxton doesn't have a national title or a Heisman. I would bet, if I could make the bet right now, I would bet money that Quinn Ewers will wind up when he leaves Ohio State as, as the leading passer in Ohio State history. That if, if JT is at, is at nine and he's the leader, do I think Quinn Ewers can like put up back-to-back 5,000-yard seasons and do it in two years, even if he's not a three-year starter? Yeah, I think he can. And if he starts three years or like half of a year and then two more, he's definitely going to do it. 
And again, they don't throw it as much as we act like they throw it. This is still a team that loves to run the ball. I just think that's out there. So like if he doesn't play at all, if he doesn't play it really at all in 22, because he's just behind the guy who wins it this year, then maybe not. Maybe he throws for 4,300 his first year as a starter and, you know, 4,600 his second year and he gets more to like 9,000 but doesn't pass JT. But I think he can do things statistically. I think the way he throws it, the way people talk about what kind of thrower of the football he is, I think there's enough wiggle room on this that I don't think he has to hang hardware to do it. I think if he does hang hardware, I think he's in the conversation potentially for the best. Right. I mean, if he wins a Heisman, Troy doesn't have a national title. If he wins a Heisman and he's going to have better stats than Troy, or if he wins it, and what we talked about, the guys who have national titles, the recent national titles are Cardale slash JT, Craig Krenzel, and Rex Kern. And it's like, well, Quinn Ewers is like more naturally gifted as an athlete than all those guys. So if he combines like winner with like, that dude can sling it. I think he's got a shot. Like Troy is way up there, but Nathan, like I, I, I would almost, I will go so far as to say, if when Quinn Ewers leaves Ohio State, if we don't view him as on their quarterback Mount Buckmore, I will be surprised. I'm not going to say it's a disappointment or anything, but like if he if he wasn't derailed by injuries or if he didn't transfer because he didn't win the job, given what we are thinking he will be. Because Trevor Lawrence would be on this. If Trevor Lawrence had come to Ohio State and done at Ohio State what he did at Clemson for three years, he'd be in our top four. If you think that's a version, and he doesn't have a Heisman, if you think that's a version of Quinn Ewer's career, he's on. Am I going too far, Nathan? By the way, it's interesting you mentioned Trevor Lawrence because I took his career numbers and prorated them over 32 games, which is, I guess, what um, Quinn Ewers would play in two 12-game 12 team playoff seasons. If Ohio State made it to the national championship game of both games, that would be 9,200 yards, a little over 9,200 yards. So just to give you some frame of reference, um, how, how, what he'd have to do to do it in two years. Um, I, I think you bring up an interesting point too, because some of these guys that Ohio State brought in before, obviously Justin Fields had expectations when he got here and uh, Terrell Pryor had expectations. When we got here and, and some of these other guys had great expectations, but you're seeing a convergence now of a time where, Ohio State has a recruiting platform that is expected to perform at a certain level. The quarterback, uh, the, the head coach who's seen as a quarterback guru, and then now taking a quarterback with the kind of rating that Quinn Ewers has. So I think the um, expectation, the what do I want to say, the threshold necessary to impress people that Quinn Ewers is going to encounter from day one might be higher than any of these other guys we've talked about. Like the expectations are going to be so high for him from day one. Like it's like you're saying, Doug, like if he doesn't get reach these absolute heights of the sport, will that be seen as like a, a shortcoming or a failure of his? And that's not just on him because it's it's also the the totality of talent that's coming into this program right now and over the next couple of years that he'll have at his disposal. But it's it that is an interesting way to look at it because I think he could end up being a guy who, if that doesn't happen, if for whatever reason Ohio State doesn't finish off a national championship in his tenure, if he doesn't quite win a Heisman Trophy, uh, the way Trevor Lawrence never won a Heisman Trophy, I mean, that that's does he, does he get um, appreciated more in the long run 
when we're doing one of these five years after the end of his career than he is in the moment. Which is why I think the best thing that happened to him right now is losing that perfect rating, and I hope he doesn't get it back. Because to that point, I think – and that's why I said I, either a Heisman or a national tro- trophy because he's coming in with expectations that none of the other quarterbacks before him were coming in with, the same as when Trevor Lawrence got to Clemson. He was coming in with expectations that nobody else in Clemson's history had ever had, including Deshaun Watson, who was a five-star quarterback. But but listen, Justin Fields was the number two recruit in the country. We knew this guy was a big deal, and he didn't win a national title or a Heisman, and we all definitively put him on this list with no, with no hesitation. And he played like a year and a three quarters, right? I mean, like mm-hmm. – Yes, I, but he, I, I think he's also seen, especially for that 2019 season, as the guy who was who kind of rescued what that program accomplished. Right. And I think that's different than if you're coming in with that – with that group. I, I will say this. I think the bar to make their Mount Buckmore for quarterbacks is somewhat significantly lower than what he would have to do to win a Heisman or win a national title. Like, I, I, like, yes, yes. If, yes, if yes. I thought, mm-hmm. if I think he has a, if I think he has a 40% chance to win a national title when he's here and a 30% chance to win a Heisman while he's here. I think he has a 70% chance to get on Mount Buckmore. Cause like you can be, you can be really good. Like he could not meet expectations and still be on Mount Buckmore. Cause he's going to put up gigantic stats. Like he's just going to yeah. chuck it. Right. I mean, he's not like the numbers alone, right. He's more talented He's a better athlete, a better thrower. He's more talented than JT Barrett, and he's going to rack up some stats. He's not going to be here for four years like JT. He was here for five. But he's going to rack up some stats. And then I think when we look back, I'll be like, well, you know, he went and he's going to go. His start, his record as a starting quarterback is going to be like, even if he's is below expectations, his record as a starting quarterback is going to be like 28 and four. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's bad. Right. It's like, oh, Quinn Ewers failed. He lost two games each of the years he was here. Right. I mean, for real, I'm not even joking. That's how people would view that. But then when you step back and do this, he's like, listen, he's 28 and four. He threw for 9,000 yards. He threw 85 touchdown passes. It's like, is he the fourth best quarterback in Ohio State history? Yeah, he is. That's why I'm saying I think Fields is a guy that he would then bump off because it would almost be what I was saying about his high expectations. You're almost, you're looking at the flip side of that and saying he has a, high high floor of accomplishment like right. he's starting with a certain level so it's like once if you're if, if that's the case you're making from the day that you get there as long as you keep the job and stay healthy for three years then yeah i think you you just slide right onto this list as in that spot that we had set aside for fields five stars fail we get that right but i just think as long as he's good i think good quinn ewers probably gets on the mountain and like great quinn ewers might Still wind up. In, in, that's a good way to say it. Yeah, it's more succinct. Just, yes, yeah. he's on top of it, chiseling Joe Germain's face off. Yeah, yeah, and being yeah, like, sure. I go there. By the way, Nathan and I might be bumping Justin Fields. Steve is going to be bumping um, Joe Germain. Yeah, for like, sure. Come on. Uh, listen, I gave him a clear path. I handed him the tools, and so I gave him directions to the mountain and said, "Go over there and get the chiseling, and make sure you be, remember the mullet, and you then you go get some yellow paint." And you paint that thing yellow. Let me tell you, if Quinn Ewers isn't better than Joe Germain, 
something went wrong. And that is not a shot at Joe Germain, but it's like, come on, people. So um, it's, but it's interesting to think about, right? I mean, like, I, I like the context of this because it's like, oh, how good is Quinn Ewers? It's like, well, he's definitely going to be one of the four best quarterbacks in Ohio State history, even if he's not that good. It's like, oh, cool. That's what we're doing. So, all right. I liked it. I like the buck more. I like more or less. I like Mount Buckmore. So I thought that was a good discussion. I like that it's modern day and the past and we'll keep doing it. Uh, we'll either do receivers or running backs next. I'm not sure which one, both those votes are in for the textures and we'll get some defensive stuff out there. Again, if you want to be able to vote and stuff like this, more fun stuff coming on the text 614-350-3315 for Stephen means for Nathan Baird. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.